This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome in. Another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb. Lucky to be joined by Ryan Bernardoni, also known as at DangerCart on Twitter. Give him a follow there, who will be co-hosting for this episode. And Ryan, last time we were together, there were good vibes. Uh, there were there were some Celtics wins. Um, things seem to be turning the corner for this group. And now a couple weeks later, Thanksgiving is gone. And so are the good vibes for this team coming home from the West Coast with a one and four trip. And I guess Jalen Brown was out for all those games. That was not expected. Um, that obviously made a tough road trip even uh, more challenging. But it, I think is it's it safe to say that uh, this team's problems go well beyond the uh, the absence of uh, Jalen Brown for this uh, for this stint right now. I'd say is that is that is that a fair assessment? It's got to be at least part of it. I don't think it can just be Jalen. Obviously, if you're missing an All Star, it's difficult. Uh, but it's like the the last two games they played, they were fortunate to run into the Clippers without two All Stars and the Suns without Booker and Aiton. So one All Star and maybe a future All Star. So it's not like yeah, that they were playing against full strength teams where you can just chalk it up to like, well, it's a difficult situation and playing without Jalen and they, and they lost. Uh, so there's more to it than that. It seems uh, things turned kind of negative right after, I think the last time we, the last time we talked so uh, maybe two episodes ago, the pod. Um, and it just, it, the first couple of games after Thanksgiving um, didn't go exactly how, how we had hoped, but we had, you know, sort of said on, on that pod, this road trip, you figured if they went two and three, that it would be okay. Um, and you would take that. And, and then obviously they, they go one and four. And again, when we thought that it was not knowing that you were going to get some pretty good injury luck in terms of the opponents. Um, so it does seem like, like there's sort of more to it than just Jalen's out. And we can talk about how that, you know, the fact that Jalen is out, the fact that they've played seven more road games and home games at this point, the fact that we didn't think they were a super great team to begin with. So maybe like the fact that there were, around 500 is just kind of who they are. And, um, and it's not any better or worse than we actually thought coming in. And that it's sort of just where, where they actually should be. Um, but it, it's been a, been a rough couple of games here and nobody likes staying up until, you know, 1231 o'clock in the morning to watch them uh, <laughs> lose games to, to half strength teams where they can't throw the ball in the ocean. So it hasn't been a lot of fun. No, I mean, it's, it's I guess, yeah. And well, I think we will get to Jalen, Later, because I mean, we're when we get to bigger picture stuff later, he obviously factors in his return, which I feel like is very much imminent. If he's not back for Monday against the Bucks, he surely will be back Friday against the Warriors. And I do think they made the right call there in terms of you, know, you he came back, he didn't look right, get him, sit him down until he's actually right. There's no, you know, your big picture wise, you're not going anywhere unless he's close to 100%. So, and they had plenty of injury luck in their opponents to a point where a two, three, two and three road trip was very much doable without him based on, you know, who they were facing in with the Clippers and the Suns on this trip. Um, but when you look at, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll start here right now. I think, you know, where I'm going to do, I'm going to start with the head coaching to begin with right now. And cause you tweeted about this earlier, Ryan, you know, Ime Odoka, he's had a tough hand out of the gate in terms of personnel being in and out with, with COVID and injuries, et cetera. Um, but since Jalen Brown's been out now, I mean, you think he's been out for more than half a season 
And despite this, he has stuck to his guns with a double big lineup that has two point guards that can't shoot. And that has, I believe, pretty much directly led to this trip, you know, being a pretty big disaster, I feel like, just that combination right now. So is that is that where you just start here before anything else? It's just like you need to start making some lineups that have some real legitimate floor spacing as, as long as Al Horford and Marcus Smart are shooting under 30% from three. Is that is that a fair, a fair uh, assessment? Yeah, I mean, that's where it starts for me. And, and like you said, I was sort of being whiny about this on, on Twitter this morning where um, it seems like after every loss, you know, Ime Doka comes out and says like that they didn't have enough effort or something like that. Like this sort of nothingness of, of we need to play harder or if they just executed the plan with more energy, they, they would have won. And I don't think that's the problem. Um, I think that they do try. I don't think this is a team that's like given up for not trying to win games. I think they don't have enough shooting. And I think that the coaching decisions have exacerbated that by not playing the few people who can shoot on a regular basis. And when they do play, it's like you're in, you maybe play in the first half and not in the second half, or you get like two really weird rotations. And then the next game you get DMP'd again. And we know who they're, who we're talking about here, like Neesmith and Pritchard. And we can talk about Sam Hauser. Um, sure. If you don't believe in, we talk about Garrison Matthews. Matthews. <laughs> we can talk about Garrison Matthews, which is kind of a disaster at the moment. It's a um, huge disaster. And we can talk. We can go all the way back. We can talk about Cole Anthony and Desmond Bain if you want. We can, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, we can. We gotta gotta draw the line somewhere. But like, they the team does not have enough shooting. We knew coming in they didn't have enough shooting. People like you and I, who are not professional NBA head coaches, were talking in the preseason about how they need. You know, should they start Neesmith because they need shooting? Should they start Pritchard because they need shooting? And to not even be playing them in a lot of situations and not to be in, to be not playing them like when you don't have Jalen Brown either has just sort of, in my opinion, thrown everything haywire. Like smart has been bad recently. And I don't think it's a coincidence that again, something that we've talked about, like when you play him at shooting guard, he's bad. And when you play him at point guard, he's fine. So when you play him next to Dennis Schroeder and Jason Tatum, who are both taking their sort of turns to be running the offense, and he's off kind of expected to be a floor spacer and like in his mind or maybe by direction playing like a shooting guard, it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. We have years of watching it not work. And yet here we are. When he plays point guard, the team plays relatively well. When he plays shooting guard, it's a disaster. And then you have the front line where you're playing double bigs, which the problem with the double bigs isn't even that lineup. Like that lineup has been okay to, you know, to an extent this season. The problem is when you play both of them, you then have to have a third big. And so you're then playing Ennis Cantor Freedom, who's another non-shooter, which is right. just more minutes out of your 240 minutes a game that are not going to guys who can shoot. So you have to like stagger your two bigs so that you can get more shooting onto the other positions of the floor. And, and to me, like it's, that is much more the story here than like, oh, they're not trying hard enough. I don't think that it's that they're not trying. Like every, no team is playing game seven of the playoffs intensity every single night. And you can pretend that they should, but like, this isn't talk radio. Like there's, that's, it's not a thing of like, they're just sleepwalking. They don't have enough shooting on the roster or on the court at any given time. And it's leading to bad possessions. And you get this sort of snowballing effect of how it impacts your defense and how your offense gets frustrated and how you get into bad habits. Cause nobody can make a basket. And like, to me, that's what's happening. 
So I don't know what you're seeing, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and on top of that, in terms of the effort stuff, like I think, I do think there are some, you know, there, there's been instances of it, but when you're a head and this is first year head coach up there from just, you know, from a, a media standpoint, from just watching go down, you can only really go to that. Well, so often if you're, you know, to, especially when you're 27 games into the season and you're missing some pretty key guys for a lot of these games. Like this is something, you know, it's a slippery slope here where they, they thoroughly earned it earlier in the year with that two and five start and some of those performances. But to your point, like a lot of these guys, you know, Tatum is second in the NBA in minutes right now. Like smart is playing a career high 34 minutes, despite having being straight bad at times. Like, is there some correlation between that? Like potentially like you're relating on these guys hard Schroeder too, playing through a lot of, you know, teams roll his ankle every week, but they, you know, they're running him, 35 to 40 minutes per game on a lot of these games recently because they fall behind early. And because like you said, you know, Imei running rotations where other guys who could fill those roles aren't getting a legitimate shot. So I think you, you throw it all together with some bad combinations and you have what looks to be, you know, a, a very messy trip coming back right now. Yeah. And, and who exactly is being accused of not trying, <laughs> not trying <laughs> hard enough. It's like one of the things that I, because I, I think it was, it may be, uh, I don't know if it was Scal or maybe actually Forsberg, um, your, your guest on the last pod, where I, I saw him talking about like the guys who are trying, right? Saying like, well, you know, they're having some effort issues, but like it's not, it's not Rob Williams who's not trying. It's not Al Horford who's not trying. It's not Marcus Smart who's not trying. And so like, who are you, who is the accusation of not trying? Yeah. I watch the games. Like Jason Tatum has his faults as a player, but he's trying. Like he's, he's handling the ball on one end, trying to run the offense trying to get to the hoop, trying to do everything on one end. And on the other side, his defense has been better this year than it was last year, I think. So like, you're not, is that who you're talking about? Are you, I don't know who the accusation is on this nightly basis of whenever they lose, it's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't try hard enough. It's like, no, you didn't shoot well enough because you don't have enough shooting. Like, I, I don't know. That seems to be kind of more of a direct thing from, from the way I'm watching it. Like, yeah, they, they get into funks. They have all these issues. Every team in the league has those things. Every team has games where it's their fifth game on a road trip and they're tired. And like, that's not a lack of effort. That's a difficult scheduling thing and playing NBA basketball, uh, you know, through an 82 game schedule. But like, that's not why the team is losing there. This is not a team that gave up on the season 27 games in it's, it's a flawed roster that again is playing without played at, to this point, half of their games without uh, an all-star wing who's played 17 of their 27 games on the road and they're 500 because if they had Jalen Brown the entire time and played 17 of their games at home, they'd probably be four games above 500. And like, that's just the level of team they are. It's like, they're not a great team. They can't get over those sorts of, of difficulties and the reason they're not a great team who can't get over those sorts of difficulties is because they don't have enough shooting. Uh, and to me, it's like, that's kind of just the unfortunate nature of what the, this, this team is. It's not that they're losing games they should win. Unfortunately, they're losing games that they should probably lose. And that's actually worse because that's hard to solve. Like, that's where the big picture stuff comes in. Of like, how good is this team really? Let's take a break to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs here. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the sports action this year. You can head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on the first deposit. You can use our promo code CONS50 to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to play all of your favorite sports and to bet them. BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we start looking into what comes next now, you know, with Jalen coming back and also with, you know, trade season coming to, at least starting up um, December 15th here with a lot of guys signed in the offseason becoming eligible to be moved. Um, what is, you know, short term right now, what, what, what's the biggest trouble spot you are seeing, you know, beyond the shooting, we've gone into that, I guess, individual wise, player wise, who, who is concerning you right now, whether it's regression, whether it's, um, trying to do too much, like who anyone on this trip has been like, Oh, that's, that's not what you want to see. At a, was there any anybody on this trip who did give us what we wanted to see? I mean, <laughs> Tatum scoring wise was okay. Like he, yeah, Tatum had a good trip, I think. Shooting better, um, although he, you know, has had some up and downs. Like I don't think he's looked the best he's ever looked, but um, you know, he was doing what he could to to keep it afloat. But everybody else basically had had pretty bad moments or, or bad games along the way. I bring um, you Rob like, Williams first. I mean, though. what about Rob? Like he, I think Rob it's Al. Was, I mean, Al worries me more than than Rob. Really, I thought Rob. I mean, they both had bad trips. And Al's net rating, to your point, has been like really bad lately, um, which I think is a red flag given how well he started. But Rob, I just worry that he is like he's a unless it's a lob that he has an easy throw down, like he's not even looking at the rim on offensive rebounds. And defensively, he has been very, very bad in terms of getting going into old habits that, you know, kept him off the floor a lot, much more than, you know, a lot of us wanted in his first couple of years of his career like those those have seemingly resurfaced here at least in the last week. Yeah, it's been, it's been rough for all that the, the lobs that are amazing. Um, he, he's turning the ball over too much still. He's always had this really, I mean, it doesn't show up in the number of minutes or because his minutes are so low, it doesn't ever like sort of stand out, but he's always turned the ball over a little bit too much and he's turning the ball over too much now. And his like assist numbers are down from the limited minutes he's played in the past. So like some of that, more high risk, high reward passing sort of stuff that he did under uh, under Brad Stevens is not really part of the offense right now. And whether that's good or bad, I'm not really sure. But like if the assists aren't there anymore, then the turnover should also come down with that. So like he's turning the ball over quite a bit. Like you said, he's um, he's basically like only taking lob dunks or he took that little like 15 footer against the shot clock that he made. Um, but yeah, not, not much else. And then the defense, I agree. That's probably where like the bigger concern is because that's what leads to like the coaches not trusting him and not playing him. Uh, although there's some like perverse idea here that maybe that would actually work out better. Cause if they benched him and brought him in off the bench, then that would get you to what we were talking about of only playing one big at a time and not playing, right. you know, and freedom and, uh, or, or playing two bigs, but having one of them be Grant Williams, who's like one of the few people on the team who has been shooting well. Uh, so in like a weird way that that may work, but with like my thing with that is that he's still a young player for all that he's now signed an extension and all that like the limitations in how much he's played in the past means that he still sort of has the development of a young player and like it's like I always say development's not linear right you're not gonna you fall back into bad habits and you have to to climb back out of them and you just hope that each valley is a little bit higher than the previous valleys and the peaks are higher than the previous peaks and you sort of that's how you go through your development the concern with Al is like is he 
you know, did we see at the beginning of the season, like, this is what he looks like when he hasn't played for months and months and he's like fresh and can hold up to it. But that age and the sort of wear of having to play as a center and, and that kind of thing um, means that he won't be able to keep that up through this year and, and into next year. Because when we talked just a few weeks ago, it was like, well, he's been the sort of surprise of the season, how well he's been playing. And since then it's been pretty ugly. Uh, and, and that's just concerning when you're, t- it's, to, to me, that's more concerning when you're talking about older players than younger players, because you expect up and downs for everybody, but like one of them is on a track upwards and the other's on a track downward just based on age. And so that, that scares me a little bit with Al. And then like you had said before, he's shooting under 30%. Like you also throw that in that he's not providing that one other aspect that you were hoping to get out of him right now. Um, and so that, that does worry me um, in terms of how that all looks and how his trade value looks, yeah. um, because that could be where all of this is leading. Uh, you know, like you said, unofficial trade season starts in a couple of days. One thing I will point out there, because everybody gets excited about December 15th. Um, I looked at this over years, a couple of years ago, I think actually on Celtics hub, maybe. Uh, and you only get like one trade a year that happens right around December 15th, sort of at the end of December. It's on average, you get like one trade a year. All of the trade activity still happens the week before the trade deadline. Like it's all yeah. just talk at this point of the year. Uh, people will come back. Oh, January fifteenth, more players become available. Like it just doesn't actually happen. Teams, we may see more this year with like Ben Simmons or something like that. But um, normally, unofficial trade season isn't really trade season. It's like the we're going to talk about trade season. It's not actually executing trades. It, you just don't get that many until much closer to the deadline. It's easy content for us, so I'm all for yeah, it. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I it's love like, talking about it too. Like I'm yeah. not. But yeah, but no, no, I'm kidding. But it is the one, yeah, like I said, the, the Simmons situation is the the really interesting one for this year. Um, and I guess, I mean, McCollum probably far lesser now since he's hurt. And so it's hard to, you know, but there's, there's a lot of teams that are in a spot where they're, they could be just ready to, you know, not wave the white flag, but um, at least, you know, shake things up. And I mean, the Celtics are obviously one of the teams on that list, they, they would have been on that list, I think, regardless of whether they started this season 500 or not. But now it's, you know, the based on where they uh, they look in another couple weeks here with a pretty brutal schedule upcoming, it's um, it's going to be an area to watch. So what so let's say Jalen Brown comes back now, like what he comes back Monday against the Bucks. They have, you know, we won't go over the schedules game by game, but they have the Warriors. They have pretty much their only easy game in the next two weeks is like at home against the Knicks. If you consider that easy and that that's on a back-to-back. So that's not an even, that certainly won't be a, a, you can't pencil in a win for that one either. But if you're, you know, if you do look at the, the original starting five, when everyone's healthy, it, it's still very good numbers in like whatever the seven games they've played together. Um, so, you know, he made Oka or, you know, admitted obviously that, yeah, they're going to look at, you know, making some changes over this long weekend when they have a couple of days off back from this trip. What are you sticking with that starting five once Jalen comes back or are you making some preemptive adjustments? You know, obviously that would be with the bigs, I would assume. And what direction do you, would you go in there if you, if you are going in that way? Yeah, I, I expect that if he comes back, they will then stick to the original starting five and basically say, oh, we've made our change. We've got Jalen yeah. back. <laughs> and that will solve part of it. Like one of the things that just is very clearly needs to happen is that Schroeder and Smart should not play together. Yeah. It, it's just that simple. Neither of them can shoot. Both of them need the ball. Um, and Schroeder has been on the floor a lot to close games too, where they do go single big and close. And I also think that that's kind of a, a bad decision 
because of one, the way he plays offense. Like he's had some good moments in there on particularly on the offensive end, but uh, like a real strength of this team, especially if Jalen's healthy should be that at the end of games, like you can put five guys out there with the, the offense or the defense doesn't provide the opponent any easy target. And we've just seen a lot of games where shooter and smarter on the floor at the end of the games. And like they, the, it's just too easy for the other team to say, oh, we're going to pick on that guy. We're going to pick on, on Dennis Schroeder. And then you go down the other way and he uses possessions that you may prefer to have going to somebody else, Tatum, or, or have smart running the offense, things like that. So I think that that is probably where they'll start is that they'll just split the two of them up. Um, you know, I think that it would at this point make more sense to also start Grant Williams uh, and take, you know, I don't actually care which of, of uh, Horford or, or Rob Williams comes out of the starting lineup. Uh, but that I think just gives you more balance throughout your rotation of like, we're going to have one of either Robert Williams or Al Horford on the floor. We're just not, you know, we're going to play these three bigs along with, with Grant Williams. Tatum can obviously play power forward in a lot of lineups. Jalen can as well. You don't need that many bigs. Nobody else is playing that many bigs. And when you're this desperate for shooting, it's just like, try that. Um, but I don't expect them to do that. I, I think that whenever Jalen comes back, that they'll just go back to that starting lineup. If Jalen doesn't come back the next game, they they need to make a change. Like yeah. they just Grant has start to start two point guards together. You should have been starting like against the Clippers. But even like, the backcourt, like you need to make two changes there. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Like you and I, I'm afraid that what they would do is if if Josh Richardson's available, which I guess he won't be because if unless he had like a false positive, he's going to be out for he, for a little yeah. while here, right? Right. He'll be at least um, probably ten days. Yeah, and my fear would be that they would just put him in there for uh, for shooter, and you still wouldn't have enough shooting. But like. They should just, you just have to do it. You have to just play Neesmith or Pritchard in that, in, in that second guard spot. I think it would make a lot more sense to be Neesmith, uh, particularly for a coach who's complaining about effort, like play the guy who plays with psychotic effort and can also shoot. Um, and so I would say that you should go, that they should play, you know, smart Neesmith, Tatum, uh, Grant, and then one of the two bigs if, if Jalen isn't back and, that that would just make a lot more sense and would balance a lot of the different parts of the roster. Uh, let Schroeder be the sixth man that is, but it's sort of funny that, I mean, you heard Brad say numerous times over the last couple of years, whenever somebody was down, they wouldn't elevate smart into the starting lineup. And he would say, well, I want to keep him in his six man role. Right. And Udoka has seemingly the opposite. Where, like, <laughs> he just takes a six man and elevates them whenever he needs to, and just keeps pushing him up. They're like, up oh, next man, you just move everybody up one spot. And it's like, that is not working. And so if Jalen isn't back, then, then I would, I would change it that way. Um, it sounds like you agree that it's like, yeah. yeah, they they have to do something. I don't know. Would you, who would you put into that, especially with Richardson out? And like, would you, would you break up the the two point guards as well? And yeah, you got to bring up the point guards. And I, I mean, realistically, I think Romeo would get the nod over Neesmith in terms of just how I agree with you and Neesmith, like in terms of the energy and like, and what they those guys can bring to the the table in, in theory. And you know. I think Neesmith with some confidence and with some actual minutes with, you know, some starting level talent, as opposed to a bunch of guys who, you know, can't create around him. Um, I think that could help him a lot, but you know, if, if, but given Udoga's track record, I think Romeo is where they would actually go there for the short term potentially. Um, but I don't, what does I, that offense look like? That's what I can't figure out. Like you just have Grant pegged in the left corner and Romeo pegged in the right much. corner and just like make them three, make just, them corner three guys. Like you're not even gonna be able to run a functional offense, I don't think, because I just don't, I, I just don't see how it works. Unless teams respect Al Horford's shot way more than they probably should at this point, 
or for some reason think that Romeo's very small sample of, of threes is enough to have to go and, you know, really stick to him out in that corner either. Like it just seems like you're setting yourself up for the same exact problem of, yeah, we, we switched some players around, but you still don't have enough shooting on the floor to actually stand up to other starting units. Um, and and I like I get it. Neesmith may be terrible. He may continue to shoot 33%. He may make mistakes left and right. But like a lot of players make mistakes. A lot of players who are veterans make mistakes. We just focus on them more for young players, I think, at, at sometimes. And like you have to try something to get enough offense on the floor to like create the necessary space for Tatum to not have to be running into three guys every time he drives or to create space for even like post-ups for, for Horford or, or even smart in, in mismatch or things like that. And just with the way they, there's just zero space out there and changing for me, changing Schroeder to Lankford. Yeah, it that, balances like your ball handling, but it doesn't really resolve much in terms of, of the shooting. And that's, I mean, that's why I worry about Nice or about Lankford's like future in the league and where he, where he fits in on this team or, or anywhere else. It's like, yeah, he does some things that are interesting, but in the grand scheme of things, you're six, four and you can't shoot or you, know, you can't shoot anywhere other than the corner. And like, there's just not a lot of value in that right now. Um, and so I, that's why I would go the other way. I mean, I would literally, like I mentioned before, I, I would seriously consider like Sam Hauser. It's ridiculous, but you know, we just got lit up by BJ Boston, like second round picks sometimes do play in their, in their rookie years. Like he's making 44% of his threes on nine attempts a game in the G league. Like there is he's, one person in the system who's he's like the best shooter on the team. I, like, I don't think there's any doubt about that right now. Like, I mean, Tatum is whatever. If they have a shooting contest yeah. in an empty gym, or I don't know, so Hauser would probably still win it. Like that's sort of I would imagine. Like, that's the place he would be to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's not small. Like he's not a great athlete, but he's six eight, and, and he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And like, I, I don't think that it would be crazy, especially right now, if Jalen doesn't come back. You're down, Josh Richardson. Like. You, you may bring him up and, and, and use him as well, just because for the same exact reason, like you got to create space somehow, you got to create offense. And you have to try it. You have to try it at yeah. this point. It's like, it's like why, why Payne Pritchard didn't get into the game against the Suns until the fourth quarter. Crazy. When, when Richardson crazy. and Brown were out. It's like what, when you, and they literally opened the game one of 15 from three. Like this is, this, you have, like, it might not work. And it, I, mean, I mean, obviously he didn't, he was like meh in that game and got beat a couple of times defensively. And you, you saw the worst there, but it's also like, this is this is the guy yeah it it doesn't work right but what you're doing doesn't work then you haven't lost anything trying it right because what you're doing isn't working right and you're not developing (laughs) these guys and from a big picture perspective now i guess we can look more towards a big picture now to wrap up here with you know where things go if things continue to go south for the next few weeks but it's one thing to be 500 it's not gonna be 500 and literally have not developed anyone outside of you know grant williams reaching his more of his potential um and romeo hitting some threes like that's to have complete nothings from neesmith and pritchard both with them playing bad and just not giving them chances um that's a huge loss for this season on top of the fact that it's you know the team given the schedule they've had early has obviously underachieved to uh, a significant degree yeah unless this stuff like the way they're playing right now entices other teams to want to trade for Schroeder and Richardson and, and Horford and whomever, whomever else in ways that like return actual assets for the future, then you're just 
wasting time right now, which is another thing that we've talked about for the last couple of years, about like the clock is ticking on these things and you have to invest time and assets now because you can't just let them just sort of fall away and, and watch that the clock on, on Jalen and Jason's contracts just slip away because you're like, well, Josh Richardson may help us win one extra game or Dennis Schroeder. Well, you can't turn him down at that price, right? Like, but then you don't have to play him and you don't have to elevate him above everybody else and give him this many minutes in this many situations. Um, and so unless that, that pays off in that way, where it's like, you're able to trade these players out, gain assets. And then in the second half of the year, play the guys that you really probably should be playing now. And if, if you aren't sort of thinking about that, the real disaster is if like they just go through the entire season, do kind of once again, have a nothing situation where like these guys don't have any trade value, but then they just continue to play them. And then Schroeder leaves for nothing. And Horford gets a year older. And Josh Richardson is again, you know, like we talked about when they, when they got him, like at the price, getting him for basically free sounds good, but he does play the position that your last two for number 14 draft picks play. Um, and how much does he really give you over them? So that's the only thing that I look at in here. It's like, if you can trade them because you played them, okay. But if you play them and then you just continue to play them and you're the eighth seed, then like, what are you, what are we doing here? Um, Because they, they, even if it's just to find out that some of these younger players aren't good enough, you have to give them the opportunity, like a real opportunity to play real minutes consistently in a role where they can show what they can do and answer the question of, can you do it or not? Cause they, they haven't done that for, yeah, like you said, for anybody other than maybe Rob and now Grant. Um, and it's just doesn't bode well for like moving the team forward in a meaningful way instead of just sort of spinning the wheels where they are now. What do you, I mean, what can be realistic potential returns for any of those guys you just talked about? If again, we come, we get through December here, they end up, you know, four or five games under 500, which seems extreme, but is actually very realistic. If you look at the schedule, Um, like what is, has Horford reached a point now where you, I don't, I mean, getting off his contract would just be a win in itself, assuming you're not going to take back, you know, money that goes beyond, you know, $15 million for next year. Um, and it's a usable player, but like, you know, it is for, for Schroeder and Richardson for you, is it like, you know, a couple of second round picks? Like what's, what's, what are you actually looking Are you just looking to clear the body and obviously get under the tax and for, you know, not, not that even getting under the tax this year doesn't really help you that much since yeah, you've been out of the tax for a couple of years anyway, like that, that shouldn't be a, a factor at all. Uh, they don't have a lot of value at the moment. And the problem is that if they're, if they fall back to be four or five games under 500, it means that those players aren't playing all that well. Otherwise you'd be winning those games. You would think at least, at least a few more of them. Right. Um, so it's, again, it's, it's difficult. Schroeder is really hard. I don't think Schroeder has really any trade value. Even if he plays well, I don't think he has any, any real trade value, which again is something that we talked about right before Thanksgiving of like the best case scenario is that he plays here. He does a six man role at the end of the season. You say, thanks shake hands and you go and maybe you made it the second round of the playoffs or something like that but because any team that trades for him has the exact same restriction that the celtics have in terms of re-signing them and everybody in the league knows that the celtics aren't going to be able to re-sign him if he plays well enough to make any actual amount of money where they would want to re-sign him 
does, he just doesn't have value. And we've seen the last couple of years that these expiring contract players have so much less value than the guys who have one additional year that, yeah, I mean, if you could get a, an actual second round pick for him, you know, anything in the top 45, like that's probably about all you can get. Uh, Richardson's a little bit more interesting because not only does he have the years, but he makes a little bit more money. So like, then you get into the thing of, of could you trade him and Wancho and three first round draft picks? And you are, yeah. he's just salary ballast, right? Right. Uh, where, you know, can you get into it? You At that point, you have to ask, ask the question, like, is it worth investing in that type of, you know, go forward trade, uh, which I, to each his own on, on that. And maybe we'll know a little bit more. Again, nobody's going to tra- make that kind of trade at on December 15th, unless you're, it's a Ben Simmons related thing. Um, and then the other one that's somewhat interesting for me, well, I guess I'll go back. Schroeder is even hard to find a team. The only one I can come up with is like the Bucks, maybe, but all the guys who make the amount of money you would need for salary matching, they all play in the Bucks rotation. And so like, it's hard to find anybody there. Richardson, I think a lot of teams could use somebody like that because of his sort of positional versatility and size. And he's been willing to take threes. And if he's not, you don't feel like they're going in. Um, and then Horford, I think, is the, the most interesting one because what are you really doing there if the team is four or five games under 500? Like, you're just going to run out the clock on that and have yet another another player go. And, and my hope is that he plays well enough where the the Warriors want him. <laughs> um, the fit is really that, there for that. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly if, you know, you watched him – Although I think in, in the end, Gobert was like plus 15 in that game or something like that. But he, it looked like he was doing well well in that matchup. Um, and they got beat up pretty badly by Aiden, and we didn't get to see him play against Aiden, but like he, he's at least a, a bigger body. We don't know what Wiseman's going to be for them. Uh, I guess he's getting assigned to the G League to, to work with, because Clay's starting his games in the G League as well. Uh, but that's sort of the hope is like, if they play well enough, the one thing that I think is sitting out there, particularly because of the war- where the Warriors are, is like, could, would they trade Horford and Richardson and maybe something else for like Wiggins with Richardson and Clay filling what Wiggins is doing now, adding Horford, but then the Celtics get back one of Kuminga or Moody? I, you, I would love to say both, um, <laughs> but you know, can you, at least you're getting back like lottery level talent one year on. Um, and like, maybe, maybe in some world, like those players who don't have a ton of value for a team that's 500 have significantly more value for a team that thinks they could win the title this year. And if this, if, if the Warriors were to make that trade and then win the title, like nobody's going to cry about the fact that they lost Jonathan Kuminga or Moses Moody. Right. Uh, but it would actually be a way for the, the Celtics to get some kind of talent. You can, there just aren't a lot of fits. Like what teams need a Dennis Schroeder point guard who doesn't shoot or a, mid thirties center, right? Like he's just making $27 million. Yeah. Who can take them? Who would want to take them? What would they give you back? Uh, And the Celtics have to look at it the same way of like, why do the Celtics want these players either? Um, And the, if the answer is that they don't, then you just kind of have to take whatever you can get. Even if it's, even if it's literally just because it's like, we're, we're trading Dennis Schroeder for a second round pick that we don't care about because we need to actually play Peyton Pritchard. Right. Um, So, I haven't done like the whole, I don't know. Have you, have you been, been scouring the trade machine for, for these things uh, not, beyond sort of the basics? Not so much yet. Like I haven't gone through like the teams to, to, to your point and like try to find the matches. And I do think it's like, you know, those are, those are the type of deals where, you know, a lot of the action does happen, you know, right before the trade deadline to your point earlier, but for teams that are contending, 
that want to make a major move. Those deals do happen like in January or earlier, I feel like in terms of those teams want to get those pieces in place and have enough time to get everyone comfortable if they are going to make a move like that. So that from that standpoint, um, that makes the next month, you know, more interesting from that standpoint and whether Brad Stevens, you know, has the stomach um, to kind of go 2014, 15 on this group um, and literally just pull pieces apart, which again, ended up working perfectly for Danny Ainge and the rest of the front office at the time when you, in hindsight, in terms of what they, you know, helping for the future and the present, but that's, you know, that's kind of the, the direction they might have to go and might be the best path for them to go in this season. Um, I think that's the, the wrong shelf. period to be looking at. I think they need early Danny age, not late. Like they need somebody who's ruthless, even if it sometimes seems. Oh, so you're pointless. saying like 2000, like trade Antoine, three, trade four, Antoine. Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of like, Oh, yeah. we're going to make these trades. Why are you making these trades? Because we, we need to make moves. Right. Like, because we need to figure stuff out. Ricky Davis, Rafe yeah. LaFrance, like, yeah, sure. What the hell? We're not going anywhere but, anyway. Let's, Let's figure it out. Let's let's get rid of Jim. Uh, let's, let's make Jim O'Brien want to quit because we want to trade Eric Williams for Ricky Davis. Yeah, sure. But, and let's, you know, are we going to trade Paul Pierce for Chris Paul's draft rights? Like get really serious about what you want your team to be, because if, and again, another of, I know I, I always call back to a million things when I'm talking about this and, but like, if your if your mantra is that all that matters is the title, then the way that you have operated for the last couple of years is not aligned with that. Um, because nobody thinks this is anywhere particularly close to a title team. And like what you would have to do to actually increase your title odds in the next couple of years is, is pretty drastic, I think. Um, and just sort of sitting at and like, well, we got a second round pick for Dennis Schroeder and whatever, right? And then we're going to have the 15th pick in the draft or the whatever, I, I don't know. That just, it just doesn't get you to like, if you want to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk is I guess my point on, on that kind of thing. And I have no idea, as, as you said, if Brad Stevens has the stomach for that, what you need is a ruthless young Danny Ainge and whether or not Brad is that I, we, we just have no idea. All right. Well, let's on this. everybody. Well, the one trade everybody references on that, <laughs> right? Well, he traded Kemba Walker. You even have to ask now, like, would you make that trade now knowing that it's not Kemba Walker for Al Horford, it's Kemba Walker and right. Schengen. And Schengen. Yeah who actually looks like a real asset. Like nobody would trade Shengun for Horford right no, now. Of course not. He looks like He's a top 10, years old. He looks like a top 10 player in the draft easily. Yeah. And it's like, even that trade seems to have not worked out. Uh, we'll see because maybe they will be able to flip Horford for something much bigger, but like there's a reasonable possibility that, that even with Kemba being a nothing and being bought out and being taken out of the rotation in New York and Horford playing really well to start the year, that like a year from now, you're like, oh boy, that was another, you know, right. like we should have, we should have just bought out Kemba. Like you should have yeah. just bought, bit the bullet as opposed to giving up the first round pick yep. for a guy that, you know, wasn't going to be, you know, a factor. But at least it, at least it was a move to try something you would say, but it was a move to try to keep the churn going. Like it was trying to stay relevant. Now it wasn't the actual move that, that looked towards the future and like towards a, a more coherent vision for, for the franchise necessarily. So, all right. So for, that. from that standpoint, then, so let's give me the stay relevant now. Like you brought up like a Richardson and Hernan Gomez and like three first round picks, like hypothetical earlier there. Is that, is that a Ben Simmons reference? Is that, is there another potential like piece around the league that could be had 
for something around that price. Obviously, there I'm sure there'd be plenty of haggling on both sides, or maybe more money that needs to be added to make to make things work there. But what is there anyone that could be available during this season that you would think about, you know, pushing a lot of your, you know, your draft capital in for just again, like to, to knowing that you want to shake things up, but going in the other direction here and actually trying to, to become relevant. It's hard to find those players right now. I mean, Zach Levine is on a team that's eight games over 500. Brad Beal's on a team that's in the, in a playoff spot. Um, so those sorts of names in those positions are, are hard to figure out in those ones where you might, you might push a lot in um, Minnesota has been playing better. I don't think they have any interest in trading Carl towns. They're talking about trying to be buyers in, in Ben Simmons. Um, so really like Sacramento, bonus do anything for, right? bonus you, know, do anything for you? you? <laughs> is you're talking about Sabonis or Jeremy Grant again, you know, back, back to some uh, call. Who just, by year. the way, I don't know if you saw, he just tore Lehman's in the sum apparently Jeremy okay. Grant. So that well, is another name that out. literally just went out for Detroit went out, went out the window. Um, yeah. So like, what are your, who are the targets that make any sort of, make any sort of sense here? And it really is like Sabonis and I'm not a Sabonis guy. Like it's just, I don't think that gets you anywhere really. Um, so it's hard to figure out who that buy would be now. Again, we're talking two months from now. So it may be that something's out there. Uh, you want to, you, you want to get in on, on, Brandon Ingram, if if the Pelicans are sure. are, uh, I was just about to bring him up. Have no idea what's going on with with. I mean, Zion may not play this year. Now, who knows? Like, um, there just aren't some of the guys who you thought might be options don't look like options right now because their team their their teams have better records than the Celtics. Uh, you know, Siakam, right? Like that's you. That's huge money for for a player who kind of makes sense in some amount of playing with Jalen and Jason, but like. I don't know. It's hard to hard to come up with with who that magical player is that solves you know solves all your problems. Is it bad that I'd be more interested in Van Fleet than Siakam? Like from a, I wouldn't want to invest oh, that oh. much nearly as much. You know? yeah. Like I, but I, I guess I assume Toronto would not. They probably feel the same way and aren't would ask yeah. for more for for Van Fleet at this point. Um, no, I mean, if you want to put in three first round draft picks and Marcus Smart and whatever, like they okay, but. Do you really yeah, want to like, do that. Like, again, you yeah. aren't solving your problems here. I, mean, no. I like Van Vliet. He kills us. He always looks great. I mean, every, t- every shot he takes looks like it's going to, you feel like it's going to go in when he shoots against us. Um, but it, are you going to, is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Fred Van Vliet with no future draft picks getting you anywhere? I, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Well, things look good. Things look good for the <laughs> Well, uh, but but Jalen Brown, a yeah, so but, but a little Jaylen, bit positive. Little like Jalen Brown is coming back. They're playing a lot of yeah. home games coming up. A lot of home games, yeah. And um, and the young guys should be able to play now. If Richardson out for at least a week here, so those guys should get a shot. Um, in theory, assuming that freedom does not, you know, finds its way on the bench after, I think, a remarkable stint of like the Celtics playing somehow playing really well with him on the floor. Um that kind of what I think was uh, as many on Twitter referred to as, you know, kind of uh, found money, if you will, for him. Like he had nothing to do with that essentially when things went well for at least from a defensive standpoint. Um, so I, you wonder just how much here, when they look at changes for the next week or two, how much is just a commitment to, okay, we got to get these young guys in and get them enough reps. So they feel confident in these games and find out if they can actually do anything. 
Yeah, I mean, so seven of their last seven of their nine games to close the calendar year are at home, right? Um, and if they win, you know, it only takes winning one or two more of those games than you expected to just be hanging out at 500 when you get to the end of the year and Jalen's hopefully back and looking looking better and Jason's continued better play on, on the offensive end over the last couple of weeks, um, that that also rolls along and, and you get back to sort of where we were, where you're like, oh, okay, well, I think this team could be a six seed um, and, and not have to go through the playing game. And like, that's positive for where they are now. That does still beg the question, like, is that where you want your franchise to be and, and all the sort of big picture stuff, but it's not like dire right now. I and mean, we, again, where did, what did we end up talking about right before Thanksgiving on that podcast? It was like, we can't overreact to what's going, going to happen in December because anybody can look at the schedule and say like, they're going to have, they're going to have a lot of problems in, in December. And that was not knowing that Jalen was going to be sitting out these games. Um, so are we overreacting to things? Maybe big picture. I don't think so. Immediacy probably. Yeah. A little bit. Um, but that's, you know, that's sort of where they are. And, and hopefully they, do turn things around once they get healthy and can make a trade here that balances things out a little bit. And, uh, and they go on to at least have a, a season that if you aren't tethered entirely to trying to win a title uh, starts to look better, you know, kind of around the new year. 15 of their next 20 at home. Yeah. Which is hopefully a recipe for um, at least some of the young guys to gain some confidence, but to your point there, there, there's opportunity here. And like you said, if you, if realistic expectations are kept um, in place, then things could, you know, turn in a relative early year. But uh, in the meantime, Bucks Warriors coming to town this week. Um, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for reaction from that here on the Winning Place Pod. Ryan, thanks as always for hopping aboard. Make sure you follow him at Danger Cart. Uh, make sure you. Subscribe, rate, and review Winning Plays Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get us. And we will talk to you guys next week to see how the dust settles and how Jalen Brown is looking like as he hopefully returns to the floor here.